Welcome to Woodstock Nation. Your host, Marla Davies. Hello, it's Woodstock Nation, the podcast celebrating the revolution, the evolution, and the life-changing magic of music festivals from Woodstock to today. I'm also one of the producers of Woodstock Nation, the documentary due out this 50th anniversary year. Day one of Woodstock ended with Joan Baez. It was well into the wee-wee hours. Joan went on stage. It was slightly drizzling, and by the time she finished on day one, around two or two or so in the morning, it was pouring down rain. So it got pretty wet at Woodstock during the overnights. Just after noon, the band Quill took the stage. They played four songs. They were kind of a local band from Boston, played the New York area a lot. The week up leading to the festival, they came early and they they played a lot for the crew and for the festival workers. They even did some goodwill gestures for the community, played at the nearby state prison and mental institutions and halfway houses. Uh, Not much happened to Quill after that, but they got to say they played at Woodstock, so that's pretty cool. Santana's supposed to go on next. It's about one in the afternoon, but Santana wasn't ready. The band's like, we're not ready. So country Joe McDonald was standing there. He's scheduled to play later in the festival with him and his band, The Fish. But he's standing there waiting for something, you know, to see what's going to happen next. And the promoters came up to him and said, you got to perform. And he's like, you're crazy. I'm not going to go up there all by myself and perform in front of all those people. I'm not ready. Well, they said, you're ready. They grabbed a guitar and he went out there and he played. And he said he was absolutely surprised. I mean, he played a great set. He played 10 songs. But he said when he did the yell, give me an F. And everybody participated, interactive, and started going, F, give me a U, U. He was more surprised than anybody at all. And he said it actually, that song really rose him to fame. About two in the afternoon, Santana taking the stage. Finally, they're a brand new band. No one had really heard of them. They didn't have a record out. There's all kind of rumors how they got on the bill, and mostly from Bill Graham. For sure, Bill Graham was the connection. I heard he was in a hotel in New York City, and there was a coin toss between Santana or It's a Beautiful Day, and Bill Graham won, and Santana performed. I also heard Bill Graham, who represented the dead, also said, hey, you want the dead? Then you take my new band, Santana. Santana is a very memorable performance. And we know this because it made it, you know, the performance made it into the Woodstock movie, won an Oscar. And who doesn't remember the Michael Shreve drum solo on Soul Sacrifice? Santana said when he went on stage, he was peeking on mescaline. And he says he remembered praying, Lord, help me to stay in tune and in time. He says the music made the people look like leaves in a field. It was 1969. Santana says, hey, they landed on the moon on his birthday. And then the next month, he was Woodstock. He was 22 years old. And boy, what an amazing career ever since then. And Michael Shreve, in fact, we just interviewed him for the documentary Woodstock Nation. And hopefully we'll get him on the podcast too. What a great guy and what a great story. You know, all the stories about Woodstock he had to tell. John Sebastian, he was with the band Loving Spoonful. And the reason he wasn't with his band is he wasn't even supposed to perform at Woodstock. John Sebastian was there hanging out. And apparently he's standing around and they're like, dude, we don't have anybody else to play. So he went and performed five songs, just a spur of the moment kind of thing. 50 years later after Woodstock, he says he still believes in magic. Right before five, the Keith Hartley band. Actually, it's Keith. 
But, you know, I guess it's a little play on words. He's English. He's a blues drummer and a band leader. And basically getting on the bill was good luck because he didn't make it into the movie, didn't make it on the soundtrack. I mean, I am a big music fan. I have really not heard of the Keith Hartley band. You'd have to really look him up. After Woodstock, he did do five albums, but it was one of those kind of things like, huh? So not everybody on the Woodstock bill was a huge, huge success. After Keith Hartley, it was the incredible string band. They were a British psychedelic folk band. In fact, they were supposed to play on Friday because the Friday part of Woodstock was more of a folky thing. And they were supposed to perform right after Ravi Shankar. But it was pouring down rain. And the manager and the band, who knows which one, there was a big hissy fit. And the band was like, we are not going to perform in the rain. And so they didn't, and they got moved to the next day, and it just didn't fit. I mean, the, I guess the Keith Hartley band, you know, really thumping blues band, and then they played, and then after Incredible String, it was Can Heat. So it was a really hard rocking set, and here are these guys. It didn't fit. They, the uh, Basically, the response from the crowd wasn't very good either. They didn't make it into the film, and you didn't really hear much about the Incredible String Band. Woodstock Nation. Of course, then Canned Heat. Canned Heat, pretty big band. They were a blues boogie band. They know how to rock. They had a pretty famous set, too, because their song, Going Up the Country, was really the title track on the dock. You see that as they're flying in and the helicopter in the beginning of the movie. And that really made their career. After Woodstock, they had two big hit songs. I mean, they only played six songs, so they were a relatively new band, too. But it was really good for Canned Heat. Of course, Going Up the Country. I think you can see that. I think it's on a Geico commercial. And then On the Road again. So they had two really big hits. Woodstock was very, very good to Canned Heat. In fact, they played the Woodstock anniversary. They played many of the anniversaries. We recorded the 40th anniversary, and that'll also be featured on a box set we're putting out. Uh, for Woodstock Nation, and they'll be featured. You'll be able to hear some of that music from Can Heat on uh, the um, the Woodstock Nation documentary. Those guys are great. They're great fun, and the three of the strong members are still in the band. I mean, you got, of course, Fido the drummer there, and you got uh, Larry Taylor and uh, Harvey Mandel. So three great members of Can Heat still playing these days. They were supposed to play the 50th anniversary concert. That does not look like it's happening. The big one from Michael Lang. But they are still on actively on tour, so you may be able to catch them. Mountain then took the stage next. Leslie West, phenomenal guitar player. This was the only their third gig as a band. So another, a new band. I mean, everything kind of got screwed up. So of the bigger bands played later and sort of in the middle of the night. And these guys, it's kind of these new bands are playing like Peak Spot. Mountain goes on stage at 9 o'clock, does an, an amazing set, nine song set. They didn't play Mississippi Queen. Why? Because they were so new they didn't even have that hit yet. Of course, that's such a great song and Mountain, a great band. And Woodstock was very, very good for Mountain. Grateful Dead go on at 1030 at night. They're a big band. They're a big San Francisco band. They got the San Francisco sound and they were terrible. It was raining again. Boy, the rain was relentless during Woodstock. And there was lightning while the band was on stage. Mickey Hart says Woodstock wasn't our moment. 
Um, it really wasn't the best we've ever played. It was very chaotic. He says people were screaming that the stage was collapsing while they were on stage. Jerry Garcia being shocked when he touched his guitar. They were not in the film either. Of course, they didn't need to be in the film. They have such a huge fan base, have been basically playing since before Woodstock all the way to today. They got John Mayer in the band now that Jerry's passed and with Dead and Company and playing with Bob Weir and Mickey and Billy and that. So, I mean, the Dead are bigger they're their own kind of thing but they're not in the film because they didn't give permission because they said you know what we're playing so bad that we don't want to document this we really don't want anybody to see it and the truth is you can't find it i mean i've i've actually heard a recording it's not as bad as they said i've i've heard better but you can get some bootleg stuff but they weren't too proud of their performance finally at midnight a little after midnight about 12 30 credence clearwater revival takes the stage. They play for an hour. It's an epic set from what I hear. They just rocked it so hard. But they are also not on the soundtrack or on the film because John Fogarty said the same thing. He wasn't happy with the performance. So he's like, no, absolutely not. We're not going to be, we don't want to be on the film. It didn't hurt their career either. They've had a lengthy career. They were also, they're actually going to play, John Fogarty going to play the 50th anniversary at Bethel Woods, which is a smaller 50th anniversary festival. But they are definitely, you know, they just John Fogarty, multi-talented, and he has a pretty good ego, very healthy ego, let's say. Fogarty says, by the time we got to Woodstock, I felt like we were the number one band. And if the Beatles were God, then we were the next thing under them. They did have a pretty prime spot. They were supposed to be a little earlier in the night, but John's complaining. He's like, you know, the Grateful Dead were on before us, and they pulled their usual shenanigans. So now it's two in the morning. Janis Joplin, pretty big. Of course, she played with the holding company, but not at Woodstock. At Woodstock, she played with the Cosmic Blues Band. She was a major star at that point, but she's going on at 2 in the morning, which I still think is absolutely mind-boggling. She came in on a helicopter with Joan Baez. They flew into Woodstock together hours and hours and hours before. Joan had already performed. Joan was pregnant. Joan was probably in and out. Janice is there for a quite a long time, hours and hours, as I said. And what do you do when you're Janis Joplin and you've got hours and hours to kill? You start partying and partying and like getting wasted pretty much. So by the time Janis Joplin goes on stage, she still sings 10 songs and you do see her in the film, see a little bit of that. She is completely blitzed out of her mind, but still a great performance. I'm sure she wasn't 100% proud of it, but, you know, with her being gone and we lose Janis Joplin, it's great to have a little bit of Janice on Woodstock. Sly and the Family Stone kicking the stage at 3.30 in the morning. They say their set was one of the best of the entire festival including them and Santana, really, everyone talks about it, that made their career. They were new, young bands, and they kicked it up, and at 3.30 in the morning, they weren't sure. We talked to Greg Arico, who is the drummer of the band. Uh, he's also going to be featured in the documentary Woodstock Nation, hopefully on the podcast, too. Anyway, we talked to him, and he said it was, you know, it's in the middle of the night. People are buried in their sleeping bags. They're trying to get some rest. And here's Sly and the Family Stone, step on stage, start playing, and he said it was so powerful because people just started crawling out of their sleeping bags in the middle of the night and started dancing to the band. And he said one of the coolest things about Woodstock is just that the feeling, the energy. 
that the bands felt, that the bands felt from the crowd and how, you know, the, the, the band was giving, the crowd was giving, and it was quite most, the most amazing synergy. And he was actually, you know, really impressed by the whole Woodstock thing. And then he got hooked and it just you know, doesn't get better than Woodstock. Woodstock Nation. This is a long day of music. You know, I don't think you ever would see a festival this crazy. The Who. They're probably the biggest band on the bill. I mean, I just venture to say they played a huge set, a superstar set of 21 songs. They had a million songs. They played everything. You, it was like a greatest hit show. They played all the stuff from Tommy and Summertime Blues, ended with My Generation, played Pinball Wizard. You just name it pretty much. They played it. I can't explain. Just over, you know, especially all the Tommy stuff. So it was a great set for The Who, but they weren't happy at all. Roger Daltrey, his latest biography, says it was a perpetual state of waiting and waiting. They went on at 5 in the morning. He says there was no food backstage and everything was laced with acid, even the ice cubes. He dabbled a little alcohol. He was not a psychedelic kind of guy. I don't know if he smoked pot, but he just, that wasn't his gig. He didn't want to get into that. That wasn't what he was all about. Apparently, someone gave him a nice cup of hallucinogenic tea right before The Who went on stage. So needless to say, he was pretty buzzed. They performed, as you remember, his look. Of course, he had that white leather fringe jacket on. Very cool. Yeah, somewhere halfway in the middle of the set. So, you know, it's probably somewhere in the, you know, six in the morning or something like that. Uh, this guy jumps up on stage, Abby Hoffman. He jumps up. He starts talking politics and anti-marijuana laws right in the middle of the set. Well, the band was not happy. Town's in a getting a little cranky. He's already cranky, and now this happens, and he's thinking, what the heck? Who is this guy? There's many different stories about what happened, but pretty much, according to Country Joe McDonald, who was there, Townsend got kind of pissed, took his guitar and just bonked Abby Hoffman on the head and Hoffman just tore off. And then that was pretty much intermission because they played for another good 10 songs. The Who did a great job and I'm sure they were on that helicopter as fast as you can imagine getting out of Woodstock. And then finally, the last band, Jefferson Airplane. They go on at eight in the morning. This is the second day of Woodstock. Wavy Gravy wakes up the crowd by announcing, we are here for breakfast in bed for 400,000. The Airplane, a huge band. They had so many hits. Somebody to love, of course. And they played uh, Wooden Ships. They played Volunteer. They played White Rabbit. They played their entire set. Grace, Grace Slick, she's also immortalizing white and i'm always so surprised because it being so rainy out there and so miserable these guys are all wearing these really beautiful white clothing and they don't look muddy on stage they look pretty good even though they said it was just so disorganized grace slick said woodstock was poorly organized it was uh inattentive to the needs of the audience and the performers it was supposed to they were supposed to go on at nine o'clock at night it was so screwed up they finally went on at 8 in the morning and ended day two of Woodstock. It is Woodstock Nation where we're celebrating the revolution and the evolution and the life-changing magic 
of music festivals. I'm Marla Davies, and in association with Woodstock Nation, the documentary to be released in 2019, I'm always proud to be talking to you about Woodstock. I did not go to Woodstock. I always dreamed of going to Woodstock. I had some older cousins that went, and I'm just a Woodstock fan. I love the era, and I always say if I could go back in time, I would love to go back to Woodstock. That, to me, would be such a fun way to use the Wayback Machine. Anyway, Woodstock Nation, the podcast is brought to you by the wonderful people at Green Age Development. For everybody here at Woodstock Nation, we will talk to you again next time. Peace. Peace, love, and thanks for being part of the tribe. From Marla Davies and everyone here at Woodstock Nation. Tune in. Turn on next week. 